sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Yes, yes, it's Friday and our children have gone back to school or going back to school. And that is for primary and secondary school. There's little girls and little boys starting junior infants today. So excited. And I was thinking as I was sending my new beautiful little daughter off to school, you know what popped into my head? She was so excited, but I went into the system, into the system you go. And we know sometimes those systems can have different effects on our children, maybe even taking away their creativity, you know, their individual process. But if we understand that and know that, we can teach them that at home as well. But as they head off, we have to get take those slippers off and we have to put on those stomping boots because the work engine is moving along nicely and to Christmas. So, Simon, are you rested after our break? Are you rested after our break? I am. I am. And I think it's, it's 16 weeks to Christmas and counting. And I think the fireworks have started going off over here as well. <laughs> and uh, But just back to what you were saying about, you know, taking responsibility for lives. Somebody I spoke to over the summer said something profound. And she said, success lies in the space between. And I think that's what we need to kind of teach our children. Yes, you need to be educated at school, but look with your own pair of eyes at things. And I think that's going to be kind of a bit of the theme today. We're going to talk about DEI and cultural awareness and, uh, and, and all aspects of inclusion and diversity. And I think we all need to raise our level of awareness and consciousness. And that goes back to childhood. Yes, you know? it's, you know, learn how to live and learn how to die. That's really what it is. Remove the fear because, you know, in this construct that we live in, it's all desire and then everyone runs on fear. And I think when people see beyond all that, they can be enlightened and navigate through this whole process of life a lot happier as well. A lot happier as well. But that's very deep. We're getting very deep today, Simon. We're getting deep. Well, it's 16 weeks to Christmas. You get deep. <laughs> yeah, well, we have Halloween. We have Halloween as well. So tell me, who are our guests today? Well, we have two really great guests, one from the UK and one from here in Ireland. Uh, first up is Bridget Farrell. Uh, she's based here in Ireland. She, I know her well. She, her business is All Talk Training, which she founded a few years ago. And she's an expert in helping multicultural teams and global companies boost their productivity and collaboration by overcoming communication issues, which for me is the heart of everything. Communication is about connection and it's about growth. So welcome, Bridget. It's good to see you. Thank you very much, Simon. Thank you, Joe. Great to see you. And the second guest is from the uh, UK. It's Alessandro, otherwise known as, I know you as Alex Stora, uh, but Alessandro or Alex Stora, he is co-founder of Diversity Pride. Um, you have, you know, over a decade of really honed experience in helping organizations design and implement equality and inclusion initiatives globally. So, Alex, welcome. Thank you, Simon. It's great to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. No, it's going to be great. I think Joe's going to get straight into it. Joe always gets straight into it. Welcome, folks. (laughs) Welcome to Business Eye here at Dublin South FM. It's great having you. So, 
You know, the one thing, as we know, a, a lot of people are starting back um, and a lot of offices now are reopening. So staff are coming back in after being in lockdown or working in their little pods. And I think communication is going to be very important for a lot of people in a, in a lot of organizations. And I wanted to hit that one with yourselves as well. Communication. What is communication when it comes to the corporate world? Absolutely. It's a minefield. And I think, you know, the whole pandemic, I think, is throwing a complete spanner in the works. I was listening this morning about some of the challenges now employers are going to face because the government is kind of washing the hand of hands on responsibilities around, you know, what if you have a mix of vaccinated and unvaccinated workers? What kind of friction and envy and anger and resentment might all that cause. And of course, government's going to wash their hands and leave it to employers. So it'd be interesting to see how employers navigate this two-way communication. Alex, what do you think? What do you think about the whole area? Uh, well, I suppose communication is, uh, it's really how we can get any work done at the end of, of the day, isn't it? Um, so it's absolutely essential, as I would say it also is in other areas of life um but i suppose communication we have to be careful with communication at work because if there is not a good communication or or smooth communication or of course if there's a breakdown in communication that can cost you know uh, money it can cost time and it can cost relationships as well um and so i would say uh it's very very important and there's lots of chance i think around communication in the workplace at the moment for multiple reasons. So I suppose I'm mostly concerned with, you know, how different cultures communicate with each other, but also there's the added element now of, you know, we're getting back into the office, but only some of us. There's so much virtual communication. Um, how do we make sure everybody on a team, whether they're in the office or not, um, is, you know, equally involved in the communication that's happening at work? So it's a very interesting space or topic, I suppose, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wanted to actually bring in a slightly different dimension when it comes to communication, because obviously people think of the things we say and the things we write and, you know, there's newsletters and things, but it's going to be interesting because communication is everything that is around us, right? It's the behavior, is the, the the little, you know, unspoken rules when, as we go back to the office, the way we treat each other. And that's where, you know, you talked about diversity, inclusion, belonging. That's where that kind of culture, you know, is made is that little in between, like you were saying before, you know, it's not just the formal communication that are broadcasted to your audience, to your workforce, but it's the, the cultures, the behavior that through all sorts of different types of communications you instill in your audience. And importantly for me, when it comes to communication, the way that you use it as an opportunity for authenticity and to create connections, you know, because what we communicate and how we communicate really can bring people in or keep people out. You know, there is they can create an us and them culture, you know, a kind of top down culture, or it can create a real community. And I think now more than, have, than ever, as we go back to the office and we as we relearn how to kind of, you know, be around each other, having that kind of community around you, people that you know you can engage with at all sorts of different levels in terms of, you know, verbal communication, non-verbal communication and so on, will define the next chapter of our culture in the workplace. 
the our culture is changing in the workplace and we've known that over the last couple of years as well and especially as as you said as well Bridget is that you know the multicultures that's coming in um with multiculture you know there's one thing that I've learned I've traveled all over the world and I've met lots of people and and lots of different and had had wonderful interaction with many different cultures as well and you know people over here they go oh you can't say one thing or another because you know you're offending that culture or whatever but that's the person that's saying it because you know i've been in in different cultures where someone might say something and say to me oh have i offended you and i go no you haven't it's always the one that's outside the culture who think they're offending the people that are inside the culture and there's that divide like everything seems to be evolving that everything is divided you know there's the right or the wrong the left or the right everything and who's creating this divide in the first place so you know simon knows that i'm very much believe that we are all one strip down barriers strip down education strip down culture strip down religion strip down you know nationality and at the end of it we are all one that's that's my philosophy in life but why is there these divides and who's feeding on them? Because someone is feeding on these to, and someone is keeping them going on both sides as well. I know it's a bit long winded, but I think it's important to get that across. So Bridget, I'm going to throw that to you first. Well, I suppose, um, I, I think actually, uh, you know, people to offend other people from another culture is one of the most common reasons why people hold back from actually speaking up when they're in another culture. And the I suppose the, the variety in the world is just, you know, different cultures is phenomenal and it keeps the world very, very interesting. But it also makes it a bit challenging for the reasons of, you know, you don't want to offend people, for example. Um, and I suppose uh, the thing with culture is that we have things to easily identify about culture we call it surface culture such as you know what flag what colors are representative of a country or culture the language or languages or so you can't learn those from a culture so easily but um but uh, and this is where, you know, different cultures and communicate or different cultures make it difficult for cultures to come together and communicate easily. And it's very, very difficult for someone to just, you know, uh, walk into a conversation where it's a different culture uh, and just know what does offend in that culture and what doesn't offend. And as well, you know, you may also be walking into a conversation, so to speak, with multiple different cultures. So how you might offend one person but not offend the others it might also offend anybody but the thing is you just don't know that and also the people who are listening to you may not be prepared to be offended so to speak so they you know they may not be prepared to hear a different way of communication um that is not intended be offensive but because you're really you know um conditioned so to speak that you perceive it as uh something that you should be offended by um so it's just it's very hard to say that you know th there's an easy solution to it because there isn't really because culture is complex by nature 
as as I was listening to Bridget talking, I, I was thinking of two dimensions that I think might be useful to bring. One is the evolutionary dimension and one is more of a cognitive dimension. In evolutionary times, I think it's important to remember that as humans, we have not been used to this amount of diversity and change around us for a long time. You know, the acceleration brought by globalization, you know, the, the things that we're exposed to now are very, very different to what humans are you have been used to for millennia. And the way that that makes us react, you know, is uh, is you know entering very much a fight or flight mode. And that's very um, you know, it's a it's a very deep-rooted instinct that has allowed us to survive as a species. So I think we need to recognize that because in evolutionary terms, what we're experiencing right now, what we've experienced for the last hundred years, let's say, you know, if I'm thinking suffragette movements, if I'm thinking uh, LGBT rights, and more recently the Black Matter movement, all of the massive societal changes that are really putting at the forefront our diversity, our differences, and sometimes you know, those differences can uh, create barriers, can create fear. Uh, all of that in evolutionary terms is still very, very new. So we need to choose, and that's the cognitive dimension, we need to choose to actually consciously approaching those changes and, and those interactions, that multiculturalism that we're now much more embedded into with a uh, desire for growth rather than allowing our fight or flight mode to kick in and you know enter in a zone of fear and and and, and from fear then you know a kind of a, a very defensive sort of attitude towards those and fear of offending others and so on we have that wonderful ability as human beings and that's made so successful as a species quickly to learn from experiences to build new patterns not new neural patterns that help us navigate an ever more complex world so uh, i think we should recognize this is going to be a long-term process because in evolutionary terms this is very new uh, but also that we have the skill set and the you know the kind of capacity in our brain to really make the best of it and get into a constant zone of growth uh, that will bring us into a whole different dimension as a, as a society and as a culture, we will be much more able to navigate and benefit from this multiculturalism around us. As you were both talking, I had this, this sounds mad, but I had this vision. Imagine if Earth were only populated by young children, right? Imagine if there were just five to seven-year-olds on planet Earth. I doubt that these barriers would exist. And, and the reason I say that is I spoke to somebody recently from Scandinavia, uh, no, actually from Croatia. And she was talking about um, we're born authentic. And the problem is, as we go into our, our you know, through childhood and school and, and we learn through community and our twins and thirties, we, 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 we trade that authenticity for expectation, right? We, we, we create self-expectation. We have to fit in. It's fear, basically. And so I think it's the transition from childhood to adulthood that sucks us all in, you know. And, and, and what do you both think about that? You know, if we both if, if we all thought, well, for a day, let's act like seven year olds, would some of this dissolve? It might be a silly question, but I think there's something big in this. What do you think, Bridget? I think it would, but I think you'd have to actually go younger than seven. There's already so much conditioning that has taken place. Uh, by, I, I would say, even, you know, three and four. Uh, and, um, you know, what's the idea of 
you know who or what is beautiful um and what does what what does beauty look like um what is offensive and not what is uh color is green you know even from culture to culture what i call green might be different in, in another culture they might be more kind of a bluey in my eyes so there's so much conditioning that already happens at such a young age that um, I really think, you know, it's a lovely idea, <laughs> but I, I don't, you know, I think it's it's human nature, I suppose, in a way to um, find, um, to feel like there's, they have similarities with a group of people rather than really seeing that actually you have so much more in common with all the people in the world, no matter what culture they come from, you know, the same things are important, essentially food, water, shelter, social connection. Uh, um, but unfortunately, the world has developed in such a way and, you know, all the information we're receiving, you know, it has come away from really thinking that, OK, we share the basic needs to we are different when really we're not actually that different. So. Um, if we could have uh, just the world populated by all little kids and pause it, uh, it, you know, yes, I think that would be a really nice idea. It's an amazing image, I think. I, I you know, I love the image uh, of the world populated just by little toddlers, but I will challenge uh, how inclusive that would be and how much um, that population would be able to to grow and, and and learn because I think we do need different generations to pass on those you know that learning and to educate the future generation and 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 explain what matters and you know how how we want to shape the future together. So I think we need to put back a bit more responsibility on the older generations for them to maybe maybe change their ways in a way that can uh, pass on the you know a better more inclusive type of message to the future generations. And I think age, you know, when you look at workplace specifically, um, in fact, I was reading recently that over the last couple of years, I can't remember exactly when, we've tipped over uh, a point where there's more over 50s in the world than there is under five. Uh, so we are an aging population. We, there is a predominantly, you know, older uh, population in the world that there is a younger population. And so that is an incredible asset. It could be seen as a, as a danger, you know, to, you know, in terms of extinction and so on, but actually in terms of culture is an incredible asset and we need to, to build on that. I think what's difficult because of the condition in the Bridget was mentioning is the older we get, the more we, we become used to certain ways of, th of thinking, of doing things. And that's where the responsibility lies is for us adults today to really push our learning ourselves, you know, towards a space of, of change and change can be scary, but change is this amazing thing that sparks innovation and growth. If we can do that meaningfully, then we'll pass on a much more inclusive, a much better message and education to our future generations. Culture change, Bridget, you mentioned it as well. And one of the things that if you want to go back, Alex, what you said about, you know, the old, there was a time long ago where a village was created and the young would have children and the old would 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 rear them and educate them through wisdom. And as time went on and as systems were were placed upon upon people, you know, they were pushed out of those communities and then into big cities, you know, and and it was out of we talk you talk about desire so it was out of desire and out of desire then creates you know you have the ego and out of the ego then you have fear 
And then is this is what is driving everybody as well. And, you know, we talk about fear and fear of offending other people. But we should, you know, we, we need to all take full responsibility, individual responsibility for ourselves and no one else. And in doing that, the two things that I think, you know, we can talk about diversity and we talk about, you know, cultures and all. I think if we start looking at getting people to, to have courage and truth in their own lives and sort of drive that message towards everybody and telling people, look, you're, there's no great leader. There's no one out there. This is individual personal responsibility for you. Look after yourself. Be nice to everyone else. Have that courage and truth and then just navigate through life as well. I think if that if that was brought into an organization as a mission statement itself and then focus on that, a lot would change. A lot would change within an organization. Joe, you know, it's funny. I've, I've often thought, why don't they teach in every school two basic concepts? A, be nice to everybody. And if you can't be nice, at least don't do anybody else any harm. Why don't they just entrench this into our psyche? And then you're going to say. I tell you why, Simon is because division when you teach division you know in in this corporate world you know to fit as win we've been brainwashed like from the 80s it was you know wall street and all the movies when you create that divide and have both sides feeding into it the powers of be whoever they are are loving it because they believe that it's driving the economy it's driving the economy on it there's there's another there's another interesting aspect of inclusion which we probably haven't thought about yet really and the, that's the age one right and I foresee a time because because on the one hand I think the younger generations generally are becoming more conscious than than us old people right I I I, I see that with my daughters but on the other hand there's a lot more old people in the world right because we're living longer and a friend of mine who was a guest on this show a couple of a while ago, he's 70 and he's got all his faculties and he's got huge ambition and he wants to keep public speaking and stuff. And he, he came out this week, slightly tongue on cheek online. And I formally identify as a 51 year old, you know, if you can identify sexuality and all that, why can't, and, and it was tongue in cheek and stuff. But the, the reason for that is that I see a time where, you know, older people need to live longer. They're going to run out. Younger people have expectations. How is all of this going to figure out? I almost see I almost see a conflict between the younger generations and the older generations. Alex, what do you think about that for the future? Are you worried about that or do you see a solution? It's it's so interesting because we've had a conversation about it today, in fact, because um one of the companies that I'm working with are organizing um, a couple of sessions on intergenerational dialogue and how you bring really different generations on board to work together because we now can have up to five different generations working uh, in uh, in the same workplace. And looking at the kind of older uh, spectrum, I think what has been, what has gone wrong, especially in the corporate space that um, Joe was describing that sort of, you know, the, the sort of stereotypes and so on is that when you reach a certain age, there's no longer any serious investment in your, you know, future career. No one is really interested in you know, what you want to do. I would always assume that you want to retire as soon as you ca- as you possibly can. And in fact, what we're starting to see now with lots of corporates, even the big names, 
things that you wouldn't necessarily maybe expect to care that much is they're starting to have longer term conversations about the career of all their uh, employees to understand what they'd like to do. And rather than, you know, assuming that everybody would want to, you know, just retire, some people want to have a portfolio career. They might want to kind of, you know, continue a part-time, a couple of days in the current company, but have, you know, other opportunities to develop other interests. And those are conversations that we've never had before in the workplace. And those sorts of things can actually add a massive amount of value today because that individual will become much more productive, you know, knowing that the company supports them in, in the type of future career path that they want to take, even if that takes them partially out of the company. So I think looking at career pathways in a much more creative way and actually realizing that older people remain productive much longer. It's not that just we live longer, we also remain productive much longer and we want to do more for much longer. And there's all sorts of things that corporates are starting to build on because those individuals may become great mentors and coaches. You know, they they may slightly shape those those roles and actually add an incredible amount of value rather than being a cost to the company, so to speak. So I think yeah, it has to do a lot with the way that we reshape the idea of career and what we do in in the in kind of in in our older age with with our work and and how we find purpose and fulfillment yeah you know i think um i think we have to look at people as well as you know we change all throughout our lives and i mean i don't have evidence up to a certain age because of my age for myself but i know if i I look back you know at uh, three years ago six years ago nine years ago you know how much i have changed in that space of time and the skill that i have uh, gained some i you know i've left behind because maybe i'm better at others or some that i've developed more you know and, and then also the um the experience that comes with uh, with life i suppose of dealing with people you know we have to look at people i think as you know, they're not just, they don't start at one point and then it's linear. You know, people change in many ways over a period. And I, I suppose a re-evaluating of skills someone can bring to a workplace at different points is very valuable. And, and, you know, Alex mentioned as well, you know, I mean, imagine the wealth of knowledge and the skills and maybe m- mentoring and coaching in, in certain organizations as well could be incredibly valuable. Um, so um, I think it's great that we're having more of a conversation about that. And actually, to go back to what you were saying as well, Joe, about you know courage and, and truth in an organization, I think for all aspects of diversity, um, you know, the courage for me is really the courage to have a conversation about it. And I think that's what's lacking so often is that everybody is afraid to talk because again, it's, it's, you know, about offending people not, not culturally, but just, you know, no matter who or where generally, yeah. And you're, they're afraid of offending and, you know, really it's only by having a conversation about it that we can discover where do we go from here? You know, um, how can we make this better for everybody? How can we make sure that, um, people are, you know, have, have their, um, priorities changed over time have their skills changed over time have you know and it's only by actually having a conversation that we can find out all of those things about those who we are working with or we're managing so um i think the courage really the courage to have a conversation i think would be the thing that i would really say please do that (laughs) you know please have the courage to do that 
Alex, you were going to add something. I saw you were jumping to dying to jump in there. Yeah, no, it's just because as we were talking about communication and the courage to have that conversation in a workplace context, but also in educational context, I think there's also the need for employers and institutions to have the courage to allow those conversations to happen because especially in the workplace, we can have very rigid policies and zero tolerance and things that can scare people away from having that conversation. And that fear of saying something wrong is often fueled by the fear of having, you know, real consequences on their jobs, losing their jobs and so on, being fired. And actually, we know now that to create that kind of culture that we've talked about, we need to be brave also from a corporate point of view, not just from an individual. Individuals need to have that responsibility, but they need to feel that the environment that they're in, whether it's corporate or otherwise, has created a psychological safety around them, has created this we can make mistakes. And if we do make a mistake, we learn from it, we apologize and we move on. But in the past, it too often, you know, those mistakes have been labeled as you've done something wrong and therefore you'll be disciplined. And that stifles conversation that is meaningful and can bring to real, bring real change. It's, it's and one of the things where myself and Simon, we spoke about this before, you know, uh, men in our 50s, you know, we, we, we look back for the last couple of years and go, oh my God, if I knew now what I knew then, and I'm sure when we're in our 60s, we'll go, you know, what I know now, if I knew this when I was in my 50s. And it, it reminds me of the story about the guy, and you're talking there, Alex, about skills as well. You know, the guy that walks into a building and there's something wrong with the plumbing and he hits it with a hammer and hands your man a bill for a thousand pound. And your man goes, hang on, you you just hit that pipe with it with hammer and it's a thousand pounds your man says 40 years of skill you know um and and that's really what it is I, I i think it's communication between all i think everybody thinks they know best i think everybody is driven by their desires you know their their you know and pride um and i think then if people start to understand their pride their desires which are feeding into those fears which cause divide within an organization as well that if I think you know you really sit down with people and make them understand that at a deeper level you can make a lot of changes a lot of changes in an organization what I take from all of this is you know I've noticed there's huge talk about the importance of mindfulness and empathy and resilience and grit and all these things but I don't think we as a race talk enough and this is right down bridge. Uh, of her business all talk training i don't think we really work enough to, to, to talk about the importance of communication as connecting it's it's not just communication it's connecting right and if we really work at it intentionally we can connect better we can raise our own awareness and we can break down barriers and i think this should go right back to schools communication isn't just about words and reading it's about visceral connection right and, and and that's something of a bit of a crusade of mine. Um, I'll, I'll leave it at that for me. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask, and guys, I want to ask you a question since we're talking about this and we're talking about, you know, talking about a lot of things. But, and you know, the question I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts then on debt? And what would you expect in the last three minutes of your life? Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever thought about my debt before. Um, I... 
I think it's, you know, it's it's something that keeps us, hopefully keeps us focused in on wanting to do the best that we can every day. And this is what I would like to, you know, be able to look back and think I have lived a life that was meaningful and that every day has added a little bit, not to my own experience, but also to the experience of others around me. You know, I've left the world a little bit better than I found it. So I exit it. Um, happy that I've contributed to it during my life here. I think I'm still stumped, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I think like Alex, you know, I also wouldn't think about it so much, but I often, you know, of course, sometimes I, that thought might come into your mind, you know, uh, and I always just feel that um, I think it comes back to as well, you know, if you feel that you've been kind, you've done the best you can where you, you know, in the aspect of life um, that I, you know, when I think then about death, I, I think that um, I'm happy to go, you know, that, uh, that, you know, it's something that's so uncomfortable we have really no control over that and so it's something that I don't dwell on too much um yeah so <laughs> I wasn't expecting that question <laughs> death doesn't scare me at all pain doesn't really scare me what what concerns me is the fear of pain right <laughs> but in my last three minutes I just hope I can I hope I can go with as clear a conscience as possible. I hope I don't have guilt or regrets in those last three years. That's, that's me. That's it. That's it. It's, you know, it's, you know, uh, my thoughts on that as well, Simon, where, you know, on my deathbed, I'll have to pack lunch ready and my fingers up ready to go as I'm jumping into a new dimension. And it is, you know, life, we can go through this whole life and we can, we can be who we are. But I think those last three minutes, as you said it there, Simon, is the guilt can you if you have done anyone else wrong or hurt anyone you know in the life can you live with that guilt in those last three minutes of your life the regrets of not doing who you are or not being the person that you should have been remembering who you really are so you know and and on that i'll ask the two guys here i want you to wake up in the morning okay and I want you to think that you're going to die on the 22nd of December, 2020. And I want you to see how your life will change when you wake up tomorrow and you're dying on that, on that date. How you will perceive and how you will act with courage and truth for those months ahead. Life-changing experience. 2021. Yes, 2020. I'm still living in that year. I haven't left this room since then. <laughs> <laughs> have it on it as well guys thanks for coming on uh if someone wants to reach out to you where can they get in touch with yourselves uh bridget we'll start with yourself uh, so you can connect with me on linkedin bridget farrell uh or of course you can go to our website www.alltalktraining.com and for me same so alex or alessandra works as well alex store on linkedin or diversitypride.org sponsored by the dunleary Rattown local enterprise office you're listening to business eye on dublin south fm there we go simon another gorgeous friday two amazing guests that we had on the show today uh for me it's a lot to think about uh a lot to process as well but you know you i think 
you and me are flying through the air with our thoughts and and where where we're going in this world as well and um i think you know it's a new month we're coming into the final run of the year as well so anything to add to that simon before we wrap it up no other than you and i are never going to retire we're just going to die Joe. <laughs> as i say you know learn how to live and learn how to die until next week folks i want to say thanks for listening to business eye here at dublin south fm radio uh, where myself and simon are always sharing our knowledge and bringing on wonderful guests so you can actually expand your wisdom and your knowledge as well if you want to reach out to myself and simon it's um businesseyeadvisory.com that's businesseyeadvisory.com where you can catch us jump online we have a group set up as well uh, where we will be sharing more insights with you on a monthly basis till then god bless take care courage and faith courage and faith goodbye